Welcome to Thinking Reimagined, produced by Live Abundantly. Live Abundantly is committed to justice, equity, equality, diversity, and inclusion for the creation of a global society which respects the rights and well-being of all citizens. We invite you to visit our website livesabundantly.com to support our initiatives for women, youth and children. Thinking Reimagined, changing the mindset for For a better better global society. It was Lid Bolege who said young people always ask why why and why and that is why this conversation is very important for our nation at this time in our history to continue to have an upwardly mobile conversation that has the capacity to improve things so um we're going to begin the second session and we're going to let me just quickly acknowledge our rather confirm if our panelists are still online uh, and um, I'll get back to the audience in the short while. I'll be sure to meet a educationist, advocate, author and poet, founder of Parenting Issues. She joins us live from London. Can we please put our hands together for Abby? She's the beautiful lady in yellow. And BC Alibi, BC Alibi executive coach, public speaker, international development consultant, and media commentator. I'm sure he lives close to Abby as well. They're both journalists from London. Please put your hands together for him. <laughs> He's shaking his head. Don't worry, we're not talking now, not yet. Um, we also have the Skelly and Mayor company. Skelly and Mayor join us from, I think, um, Skelly is joining us from Abuja and Mayor as well. Please put your hands together for both of them, Mayor Kunu and Innocent Adache. We're going to get back to them in a short while, but let me introduce our panelists who will be joining us live here. Um, You've had some of them speak earlier, but we also want to hear from some others who haven't haven't spoken yet. Chilean Ifi Azu is founder of Female Returned Migrant Network. She's one of those people who wanted to japa. And then things went really alright, but thankfully she's back, hale and hearty, alive. Please put your hands together for Chilean. Chilean, come up, come up, have your seat. We want to hear from you. Oluwatsobi Ayodele, feminist and communications consultant. Now, this is a lady you want to listen to today. Please put your hands together for Oluwatsobi. So there's this other guy who also wanted, who was seeking greener pasture in Europe. And then something happened on the Mediterranean Sea. (laughs) Thankfully, he didn't lose his life. He's back in Nigeria now as a travel consultant. Isn't that amazing? Safe migration advocate and humanitarian um, network. Toby G. Ayediron, please put your hands together for Toby. All right. So... Founder Bature Bure is still right here with us. Let's put our hands together for Kevin Conroy, please. Kelvin, have your seat. You're not done yet. Put your hands together for them, please. Appreciate them. Before we hear from them at all, I want to hear from the audience, uh, both as a reaction to the conversation we had earlier. And I also want to hear from you what being independent means to you. You've had some people talk about perhaps the ability to express themselves either financially, emotionally, or otherwise. But I want to hear from you. And as a reaction to the conversation we had earlier, if you're not raising your hand, I'm going to call somebody. Sir, you're looking like you have something to say. Please give the elderly man in the red cap the mic. Put your hands together for him. Thank you, sir. Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon. I'm the Sonar Commander, Naptive League. That is National E for the Prohibition of Traffic. It's great we are all here this afternoon. It's great we are all here this afternoon. 
Okay. You are welcome. It's great we are all here this afternoon. And the truth about it all is that today is Nigeria independence. And then if we translate that to an individual, you might be wondering, what does it mean if I say I am independent? It has a lot to do with us as an individual anyway. If we want to look at it from the country perspective, we'll be saying the constitution say, possibly you become an independent person the moment you are 18 years and above. But then the truth is that we are in the generation where at age 10, age nine, every child wants to be independent. And that implies that like the other panelists said, it means they want to have a mind of their own. They want to do what they wish to do. They want to do what comes to their mind without being totally controlled. We must emphasize that. Because the truth is that if you leave a child at whatever age to do whatever he or she wants to do, and you don't monitor that child, you might at the end of the day have a problem. Because as a parent, you are supposed to mentor your child to become a good citizen, to become useful to himself or herself. That is important. And if you look at most of the problems we have presently in this society, parenting has failed most of our youth. We should not take that out of it. Parenting has failed most of the youth. And possibly because we have a lot of parents that are career in nature. They value their career more than taking care of their children. But the truth about it all is that whether we like it or not, we are in a jet age. We are at a certain age. We have to allow our children to have their own mind. Possibly maybe you might be looking at reviewing the maturity age downward from 18, because we, when you see a child of 18 years now, you will marvel. What is going to be in, in our brain, in his or our brain, you will marvel. So maybe I'll say when they are reviewing the constitution, they should bring the age down from 18 to 15. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you so much. Please put your hands together for him. Let's get back to London very quickly. Um, Abhishek Tomino is an education consultant and you heard him talk about the need to guide. Is the word guide or control, particularly when we're talking about independence for children um, in this age and in this time, I want you to you know, contribute based on the realities of the time. Thank you, Nifemi. Um... If we're talking about independence, I think I need to mention something about what the aim of education is. Um, in terms of teaching children in education, um, independence is taught hand in hand with teamwork. So you teach a child to be independent, but to be able to carry out tasks on him by himself or herself, and also to be able to work within a team. We also teach children that we are all different, yet unique in our differences. We don't teach children to compare. And I think when we use the word comparisons, that's where we try to, that's where we get to understand what actually affects children the most. Um, comparisons, meaning that comparisons are not acceptable. So in the culture in Nigeria, for example, I, I've heard people say, what about John? He doesn't have two heads. You know, meaning that John came first. Why, why, why can't you come first? What is the point in comparing? You must not compare children because John's gift might be mathematical or academic, whereas Sarah's gift could be sports-wise or in art. So again, this, is, this has to do with independence because I personally, I, I teach, I, there's, a, there's a phrase I teach children, I say it's cool to be clever and it's fine to be different. So going back to independence now, 
the, the whole aim is that it's, it's not something we should teach adults from adulthood. We should start teaching children independence from a young age where we're guiding them and we're mentoring them at the same time, but we're teaching them what's important as well. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Appreciate your contribution. Oh, and we can see the beautiful girl. Hello, how are you? <laughs> All right, so let me get back to my panelists here very quickly. And there are some of them we haven't heard from yet. Uluwatobi, what does being independent mean to you? Can you hear me? Yes, I can. All right, so independence, I was already thinking about it when I was sitting down. And thank God you asked me the same question, because if you had asked me another question, I would have passed the mic to somebody else. All right, so independence to me means the superiority of choice. You know, being able to choose, being able to decide what happens to me, where I get to live, the decisions that concerns me directly. And I think for me also, there's so much um, influence with financial independence and any other level of independence. So um, money is the root of all good things. <laughs> Right, so if I am not financially independent, or if I don't have that level of financial independence to make some certain decisions, I don't think I can be able to fully say that I have expressed or I've experienced what independence is. And I think the reality of young people in Nigeria is that there's so much happening around us in Nigeria that we've not even got it to that level of financial independence that will make us experience true independence. So yeah, independence is superiority of choice and being financially independent. Interesting, growing up they say go to school so that, um, uh, apologies to those who don't understand your buyer. So that Bataya Dunkokoka, who wants to interpret that? <laughs> but these days I found out that the more noise your shoes make, the more nuisance <laughs> you are. I mean, the better the shoe, the, the more silent it is. But um, do you think there is a correlation really in the kind of education that young people have in this part of the world and the financial independence that you have talked about? Okay, um, I would say that because I was educated, I'm still educated in Nigeria, the kind of education that we have in Nigeria, the formal education that we have in Nigeria is nothing compared to the formal education that is being taught outside. I mean, you see Nigerians in diaspora and they're excellent, they are doing excellently well in their fields. That's to say that, you know, we have that mind of being intelligent and excelling well, but when it comes to informal education, I think that's where the problem is because there's a gap you know, informal education in Nigeria is just um, moral, culture, and religion, heavily on religion. You know, there are other factors like creativity, um, innovation, innovative skills, entrepreneurial skills, independent skills, financial skills, you know, that are not necessarily taught in the four walls of the school. We don't really get that. All we get is, um, be a good girl as a girl and you are a boy um you have the right to you know be bold be confident about who you want to be so there's this gender roles that we are taught to play from from small and there's this abc one two three that we are taught in school so when we get to the real world we are a bit confused because the level of growth in other places that young people also have been taught informal and formal education they are um they are also adding creativity skills, entrepreneurial skills, and all other skills that will make them make informed decisions when they get to that stage. However, for us as Nigerians, we get to teach ourselves when we grow up. You know, we get to teach, teach ourselves through the internet, through the movies that we watch, through the books that we read. So we don't really have that direct or physical informal education, either from our parents, from our teachers, from our guidance or whatever so i think there's that gap with formal education and informal education and even when you compare the formal education and informal education to the ones that other people are getting from other developed countries you will see that we are still far far behind we are still very low in in raising our standards come on put your hands together for her and you know the, the thing about young people in nigeria is that we're very creative right 
So I agree with you, but I'm also asking myself, why are Nigerian doctors being exported out of this country if our education is that bad? Have you thought about it? Is it you know? the education or the system? You know, they okay. are being educated, they go to school for six years, go to medical school for a year or two, then strike happens, they stay at home for about two years. I have a cousin that is a medical doctor right now, and she has not been to work for two months because the doctors are on strike, and there's nothing they are saying anymore. I mean, when it started, when the strike started, there was this eat, and the media was carrying it. But right now, they don't, it's not even making headlines anymore because everyone is just tired. The government are not being responsive the way they are supposed to. So we go to school, all right. We go to private institutions, we go to the public institutions. The education is there as much as, as poor as, as it is, it is still there, but the system is very flawed. So when you come out of school, you are, it's like the heap of problems that face you, it just, you just forget that you go to school and then you hustle your way out. Come on. That's why doctors are jackpine, because they need- Absolutely, absolutely. I think she deserves a round of applause. I heard someone say, maybe the federal government should start considering return on investment on many of these exported um, <laughs> uh, profession out of the country. But le let's bring Chilean into the conversation. And I know that you've shared this experience with us many times. She talked about financial independence being superior. Um, it determines a lot of things you are able to do by yourself without needing aid or help. Was that what inspired your decision to leave Nigeria at a point uh, that turned out really messy? Thank you so much for this opportunity. Um, growing up- Sorry, I... can you hear her? As a young girl, I grew up in a family of about three children. And each of us, my younger brother is currently an architect. I also studied architecture, do not practicing. And then my younger sister did religious studies. Okay, so um, as a human being, there's a desire to grow. But then you're limited in Nigeria. You're limited by all standards. Education is limited. I, went, I studied in Enugu State University of Science and Technology. Why did I leave Nigeria? I was supposed to graduate 2014. And then... Um, I, in my second year, the school fee was increased from 72,250 to 102,250. And coming from a, a, a family where we were struggling, my dad couldn't pay my fees on time. So I was paying late. And late payments will require an extra 10,000. And then um, before you could even manage to get your results. Now, by the time they were computing the results in my final year, I found out I had 29 outstanding results. 29 wasn't 29 that I could just fix. Practically, I was broken. I couldn't talk to anyone. The lecturers were not understanding because basically they just see it like, you don't have it. Since your parents can't afford it, go home. I remember going with some of my friends to the VC's office to plead and the people who were opportune to go in, they cried out. And when we were discussing, some of them just said, like Visi just said, there is nothing that can be done. If your parents can't afford education, go home. Go and learn a skill or do something. So now we don't have an, like we don't, being independent for me is being able to decide that this is what I want to be. And then having access to what I want to be and being able to achieve it. So now Nigeria doesn't give me that, that room to achieve what I want to achieve. Nigeria gave me an option to be lower than who I wanted to be. Now I went back home. I just packed my things out of frustration. I was depressed. I took my things. I went back home. Though my daddy wasn't satisfied because he's a teacher. He wanted me to go back, fight it out. But I wasn't seeing it. Like, I wasn't having it. How can you? I will climb the stairs to my, uh, to my HOD's office, climb back crying. Every time I approached him, I will come down crying. Some of his courses that I took, he saw, me, he saw that I signed in and out. But he didn't see my results. So he was part of my problem. And then he told me that, 
eh, Chilean, I think while they were removing the scripts was because there was no exam number. So I wasn't, it, it didn't matter that I actually paid the fees late to them. Now, when I got home, I started struggling again with my mom. Let's see what we could do. I took jump again. That's, I don't know. Would I say I wasn't even focused? So I didn't score well. I didn't get a chance to go into the university again. So it was a struggle. I started doing business with my mom. We we're doing this business and everything was, it seemed to be going well. After a while, the company shut down their space. So we didn't have a space any, anymore around there to sell. I had to go back home again to start thinking, what could I do? I started teaching in a school. I have my younger sister in school who I would support because that's the Nigerian system. Once you come out, you must support your younger ones. Now she's in school. I need to support her, but I don't have a job. I had to take a teaching job where they were paying me 10,000. 10,000 is in mine now. The 10,000 belongs to the family because I need to support everyone. Now, um, while all those, all those things were just going on, I got into a very um, awesome relationship. He promised to get married to me. I got pregnant. He ran away and everything got messy. Now, um, my parents decided you're not going to abort because it never happened in this home. So you're keeping it. I kept this pregnancy. I was going to farm. I was doing a lot of things, struggling. As a young girl, I've already made up my mind that I want to be great. So whatever comes, I endure. It breaks me, but I endure. That's how you're taught to endure everything so you're bearing it. It doesn't matter. No one is going to step in to say, okay, this is the way to go or this is how to do it. And then um, after that period, I had my baby match. Now, family came in four months, four months um, after I had my baby in 2017, family came in with the opportunity of going abroad. I didn't have an op option. Like once family decides, I'm not independent. Once they decide that this is what you should do, considering the circumstances, you don't have a choice. You do it. When they said, okay, now you're going abroad, I followed my cousins, who were three, three ladies and a guy from the family that traveled through the Sahara Desert to Libya. It was hell. I couldn't even tell my mom what I was going through because I didn't have access to communication. There was nothing I could do for myself over there. I was subjected to, I was exploited. A lot of things happened. But then when I came back, I told myself, okay, now all these things have happened. You still have to like think of something to do. But then I want us to also realize that despite the fact that I've decided that I want to be this, I've seen a, a problem I want to solve. I've looked at the female returnees around me and I see their struggle. I can't like have what, what it takes to even support these persons. Have I even supported myself as I should to be able to support them? You know, there's a lot of things that we want to achieve as people, as a people or as human beings. But then um, the circumstances around us in Nigeria is not helping. I can't have access to what I want. I can't have access to finance. I can't have access to a lot of things because of the kind of environment where we are. So I would say, just like she said, yes, this um, financial whatever is one of the reasons why we are not independent. I will tell you, there is a lot going on in our minds. We are, we are thinking of great things to achieve. We even have big dreams, but then there's no means. So consider these sharing real life issues with thinking real magic. Um, this is where I want to bring you in. I've listened to both of them considering financial independence as key, as primary. And they seem to be in a situation where they're surrounded, you know, with um, impossibilities, limitations, and the rest but you left Scotland and came to that same country. Uh, it would mean that, could it be that there are certain opportunities that we are just too close to see? Do you believe it is an impossible situation as it were, this issue of financial independence in Nigeria? Yeah, that's a big, this one, one, two. 
Yeah, that's a really um, complex and uh, tricky question. I would start off by saying, you know, there's no promised land. There's no USA or UK that isn't difficult and limited by opportunities. Um, when, I, when I was growing up, my first job was, was uh, 10 years old, um, trained to basically go around the street and deliver flyers for a local supermarket. That was through my mother. Then my next job at 14 was sweeping car parks. Uh, to get you know three pounds per hour which okay back then would have been a lot more naira but uh, now the naira is struggling a bit uh, and then kept working my education was funded by uh, my own work as well so there was no gift but i would say that in scotland and in the uk there is a bit more support from government through a bit of grant or accommodation uh, free at point of access even if you have to pay back in the future so there's definitely something there to help, but there's never an easy option uh, elsewhere. But what I would say when I worked in Cano, and I'm really surprised to hear this, I was doing a business advisory, investment advisory study. And I sat down at a table with uh, eight women to look at constraints on women in business and uh, in, in Cano. And they were all, I would say, a bit older. They were middle-aged, let's say, then 50, 50 plus. And they said the exact same thing. They said, if I have more financial independence, I can choose where to move my money, whether it's into a business, whether it's into an investment account, whether it's into supporting someone else in my family. As a woman, if I can control my own finance, I can choose which school my children go to. I can choose to treat my son and daughter equally and not have preference for the sons. So I think financial independence is a really big thing that is if inculcated and supported can lead to more people pulling them up by their own bootstraps and lead to more success. And it's very interesting to hear that from a generation that's older and still hearing it today with uh, our panelists here and right now. Back in Scotland, at what age did you start working? Uh, yeah, about 10 years old. I was delivering leaflets, flyers around. Did you uh, have parents who were catering to your welfare at the time? My parents certainly looked after me in terms of food and housing, as any good parent would, would want to do. So why did you need more money? Well, if I were, well, a good, good question. So the first thing is there was no dashing of money to go and buy some fancy clothes or some sneakers or a chocolate bar or a can of uh, cola. If I wanted those things, I had to, had to do, go and work for it myself. I did save a little with the view that if I save up, I can go and put that towards my university education. Guys, would you agree with me that if you had seen a 10-year-old Nigerian working, then you will be questioning the parents that why, why is this 10-year-old working at this age? We, it's strange to our we, culture, we, isn't it? Would we question or oh, it is Would we question because it's gradually becoming no, no, no. known? So I understand the challenge with children hawking on the streets, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about that, that support culture that is now, you know. Because you mentioned, for instance, that it is expected that because you've gone to school, you're expected to cater to your siblings. Isn't there something wrong with that? This culture perhaps must have taught us to be reliant on others, continually being dependent on others until we get to a particular age. But I'm learning from him, for instance, that it is good experience to start working as little as 10 it's perhaps why he's where he is today. Am I making sense at all? All right, so just a minute. Let me, let me bring BC in. I see him shaking his head, and I don't want him to lose his head yet. <laughs> so BC, what, what exactly is running through your mind right now listening to this conversation? Okay, thank you very much. I think this is a very complicated and um, very vast issue for us to simplify in the way that it is it is said here now. So when you look at a 10-year-old working in Europe, for example, you look at the kind of job that is available to that 10-year-old, and you look at the protection that is available for that 10-year-old, for that 10-year-old to be able to do the job that that 10-year-old is doing. And also the, this whole idea that, you know, it could work the way it's working. It's completely different, right? Um, many, people, many people in Europe at a very young age will come up with different innovative ways of working that fits into their lives, that in their education, this fits London. in their family. And this is, can you still hear me? 
Yes, please go ahead. Yeah, and this is in no way exploitative because we have to be very, very careful when we talk about child labor. This is in no way exploitative. The child is doing what the child needs to do, not in a way that the child wants to do it, but, but because the child wants, because not because the child is forced to do it, but because the child wants to do it. And I would say this now, you know, he talks about working. There are so many 10 year olds in England or in the UK, for example, they don't do any work. They just go to school and they come back, they do their homework and they run around the house. It's okay for you to be a 10 year old to, that do that. And it's okay for you to be a 10 year old that is enterprising. But the issue is this, the issue that we need to talk about is this, Nigeria is not a country that allows for the freedom and independence of a 10 year old to choose how they want to live their life. We just listened to a powerful story of a young woman who had to endure that just because she wanted to get a certificate that eventually will not get her a job, that the maximum amount of salary she will get from that job will possibly be 50,000 naira. And what can you use 50,000 naira to buy? So there's a lot of things that is wrong with Nigeria. And I also want to say this, we always think that financial independence is a solution. It is not the solution. It is part of the solution. I had financial independence. People still think that they have to poke their nose in my business. This is a bigger issue. We have a controlling society and we need to do something about that. All right, thank you, BC. Can we please put our hands together for him? I want to quickly throw this to the audience. What is the thin line between what he has termed child labor and perhaps developing a new culture where we can instill financial independence early into our children? Believe me, it is a problem. Growing up, I didn't have that privilege of doing enterprising things like you did. Uh, hearing your story now, I would appreciate that someone has introduced me into business earlier on. Maybe by now I will be, I won't be working for salary. I will have a little more of independence. I will have more time to do podcasts every money instead of going to read the news on TVC news, but I need the money. You know, many of us do these jobs, not because we truly are that passionate about it. It's just because we want some self-sustainers. So who wants to jump into this conversation? How do we draw the line? I can see a hand there. I see another one. Oh, I see one here. Beautiful. So I'm coming to you, sir. Oh, you're here too. But there's a lady behind. Just stay where you are, where you are. And I'm going to give you the mic. So please, I want a maximum of just two minutes of contribution. Oh, there's a mic there. Please give it to her. Put your hands together for her. Good afternoon, I'm Essie Ayebene, a counseling psychologist, and I've been angry. Discussion started. I've been angry. There are some things um, I, I wanted to say. No, 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 a lot of things have been said. Talked about uh, working at 10. At Hello? In primary five, that's even less than 10. I was already working in my dad's construction workplace, mixing sand and cement, carrying block, two inches, um, six inches, nine inches block, stocking it up, working for my father. We have people in Nigeria working, but I like what BC said. We're working for, still for the family, not because we want to make extra money for chocolate or for sweets or for whatever, but that actually gave me the mindset because my dad ended up teaching me how to do art and I got into graphics. I started my business at 17. But the Nigerian factor destroyed that concept. I can't go into starting a business at 17. As a lady, people look down on me like, so you want to do banner? And how much is it? And the next thing, they will price you down. Things, there are a lot of issues. There are a lot of issues. I started, I've started over two to three, four different businesses. 
that is either Nepal or bad roads or different things like that. I've always believed in Nigeria. I told my uncle at 17 that I was never going to leave this country. I refused to do my passport until this year. Now, have you changed your mind? I have. I have. And I'll tell you why I changed my mind. I told my husband today, the first day I thought about leaving this country was when I was in the hospital with my sick son that died. Yesterday, um, 30th of September, made it five years I lost my son in a system that could not detect a simple congenital birth def uh, deficiency early enough to be cured. And in a system that they turned off generator when a child is in life support. And you say we should still believe in that country. It's tough. It's hard. See, if I have my opportunity to leave the country right now, I will. I speak and say I'm a counseling psychologist. I started 100 level in a department called counseling psychology. In final year, they changed the department to guidance counseling. I graduated with a degree in guidance counseling, restricting me. There are a lot of things happening. People are not happy. I can't talk about it. I know I understand it's not just financial, but if I had money, I would have been able to fight that fact. How can I be doing CPY in 100 level, 200 level, 300 level, and in final year, giving me GAC? Does it make sense? It's all right. Please put your hands together for me. She almost got me tearing there. Please, can we give the mic to the lady there? Um, thank you. I was almost standing up and giving her a hug. Yes, um, my name is Hajar Tundiosho. I work with the National Agency for Prohibition of Trafficking in Persons. And um, let me address before I go into that. <laughs> like, first off, you find out that ILO, the International Labor Organization, tells you that a child could walk from age 12. Let's start with the basics, okay? A child at age 12, you can go ahead and work, but these are the rules. You are not allowed to allow, you're not allowed to use a child in any form of labor that will jeopardize the child's growth, the child's health, the child's safety. So these are the things you need to look at when a child is going to be allowed to work. So 10 year old, wonderful, really. But remember our system. This is a system. It's the system that's the problem. Do you know that? Everybody makes fun of what we call black tax. That is what is pulling us down. When a child has an idea and a child is trying to build that, all of a sudden, oh, there's no food in the house. After all, you have money in that colo. Can you break the colo? Has that happened to any of you? Colo for the white guys, yeah. It's up, piggy okay. bank. It's piggy bank, yes. Piggy bank. You know, I don't know if it has happened to you, but... If you look at the situation, yes, your mom needs, it's moms that always do that thing, but your mom needed that help, right? But this is something you were saving for yourself. You had a project you wanted to use that for. No matter how young you are, that was your project, okay? So it's the system we need to change. We come around, we, we, we point out the problem, but the question is, what do we do different? That's the question we need to ask. What is that thing we need to do different while we were talking while she was telling her story i was sorry i was eavesdropping i'm sorry but I, I was just listening you come out and you say i'm a young person i'm a young woman i want to do something today then someone comes around and say oh you need to sleep with me before you get this or you need to pay this before you do that now i want to ask women can't we come together and stand for ourselves you said even women do this. Can't we stand for ourselves? All right. Dr. Ma talked about giving a voice. We need to speak out. These systems, you can't start from being um, trying to be a clinical psychologist and end up being a guidance counselor. We need to speak out against the system. It's the system that is a problem. Many people talk about policies, coming up with policies. I can tell you, today we're celebrating Nigeria. We have the best policies go around there is no policy covering anything that you will not find in nigeria the question is how do you how do you okay that's a new thing 
that's a new thing we're trying to do. Everybody's working with that, okay? Today, we're talking about gender mainstreaming. That's what the Nigerian society is starting with, gender mainstreaming. I'm a government officer, I'll tell you how it works, all right? But here's the thing. How do you, as a person, ensure that these policies work? Are you ready to take the time? Are you ready to take the time? Yeah. There are many people who would be stopped on the road by the police and they have their papers, but rather do something else because of time. Are you ready to make the sacrifice? Are we ready to ask what is that problem and speak out against it? Thank Please. you. Thank you very much for your contribution. Okay, so the conversation continues. If you have anything to say, um, I'm going to get back to the audience in a short while. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to get back to you in a short while. Just give me a minute. But um, I need you to keep the conversation as concise as possible so that we can leave you in time. I know you have a reaction. Can we take yours now? All right, thank you very much. Thank you for having me. The way the world is structured, who can be dependent? Financially, emotionally, materially, and so on and so forth. Who can be dependent? As long as there is desire for want, desire to want, as long as you have desire to want, that simply means we can be independent in one area and other area will not be independent. Right. And the truth is, we can only be independent when we die. That's the truth. Wow. That's a new twist to it. Who's ready to die here now? <laughs> All right, so we need to wrap up with people online. I see BC um, asking how much longer we have, and Miss um, Abby also has a reaction. So what I'm going to do is that for everyone online, I'm going to give you one H to have your final um, reaction on this particular conversation, and then let you go. Uh, let me start with Miss Abby, and when you're done, I'm going to hear BC, and we can let you guys go. Okay, thank you for. Um um noticing my reaction i wanted to add that um in a society where women and children are taught to keep quiet and not to speak up there will be many incidents of abuse and of um, dying in silence uh, lack of support and, and things like that i noticed there was a difference between the way the the men spoke and the way the women spoke i i want to add here that you can never feel the pain of a woman if you're not a woman. I, this is not a gender talk. This is not a gender talk. I'm a woman and I've always wondered how women cope in a society where, or in a situation where financially, they're not even able to cope when they have their time of the month. These are basic, basic things we're talking about. We're not talking about in something highfalutin that is independent. I mentioned in one of the podcasts that in Scotland, there are free um, sanitary products given to women. I, I don't know if, um, <laughs> if you can concur with that. It is free. You do not have to buy sanitary uh, products as a woman in, in Scotland. It's unbelievable. When will Nigeria get to this part where we support our women? When, when will Nigeria get to the part where we support children with so many talents? Children were brought, are brought up still to keep quiet and not to talk, even if they confide in a significant other. The, the adult often tells the child not to tell anyone because the family has to save face. Where, where do we go? That's why I brought in the conversation about making children independent. If you can't talk at home, then you talk to your teacher at school. And then there should be another adult that you can confide in and you can talk to. I can, I can speak as a child who was pained when I was a younger child, you know, and I didn't realize how much pain I was in as a child until I grew up and started having children. And then I realized this isn't normal. That isn't normal. A child that's not allowed to talk, this isn't normal. So I, I want to make sure that we're all seeing this from a platform whereby as women, we need to speak for ourselves. We need to speak for our children and we need to speak up against the injustices that we face in a society where we can't even imagine a female governor, let alone a female head of state, because the women themselves are consigned to the, the, the situation where uh, this is never going to happen. Is it really never going to happen? 
seven seven women in the Senate, 22 in the House of Reps, four deputy governors. Guys, how do you think we're doing? All right, <laughs> that's a thumbs down from BC. BC, you have one minute. Well, I hope that I will be able to do justice to my one minute. But I also want to ask, how do I address some of the things that have been sent here without ruffling feathers? But if you know me very well, you will know that ruffling of feathers is what I do. But I'm going to put this into perspective. But first of all, my heart goes out to the lady who spoke about you know, our educational uh, dilemma, but on top of that, losing our child. If you ever find a very positive, affirming way to leave Nigeria, I want to seriously encourage you uh, to be able to do that. Now, the second thing that I want to say is this. We live in a country, or we have a country, where the political elites colluded with the religious elites to rob Nigerians of their dignity. We live in a country where the white people who came with guns and chains and whips to take our forefathers into slavery and sold to us their white Jesus to establish the fact that they are superior to us and they are superior than us and rob us of our growth for years, 300 years of it that will not look at the children of the enslaved sitting down and praising the gods of white people that white people don't worship anymore. We have a country where the religious leaders are selling us the idea of a white God, why they colluded with the politicians to rob us of our dignity. It saddens me because I'm gonna say this. I think this is about independence as well the freedom of someone to come here and talk about how glorious God is and the freedom of someone to come here and say, no, God is not going to save Nigeria. What is going to save Nigeria is that 2023, every Nigerian make a decision to take back Nigeria. We need to take back Nigeria from the political elite. We need to take back Nigeria from the religious leaders who continues in the name of God, whether it's Islam or it's Christianity, to rob average Nigerians of their birthright of being a Nigerian. We live in a country where more than 80% of the citizens cannot feed themselves, but the pastors expect you to give tithes and offerings every Sunday so that they can buy a private jet and they tell you to go and pray to God to provide your needs for you. Nigerians have to wake up. This is not about getting on your knees. Get off your knees and get going because the stories that we've heard today will continue. And these are people that are privileged to tell their stories. There are millions right. of Nigerians that cannot tell their story today. And they demand from all of us to stand up from our knees because our knees is not working anymore. We need to get on our feet and demand to take Nigeria back. Thank you very much. Please put your hands together for BC. Uh, quickly, because of time, I just want to drive uh, mindsets to security in Nigeria. When we are talking about child labor, uh, we should always look, about, look at security because a child of 10 or 12 working in Nigeria is basically risking being kidnapped, is risking being raped. So when we are trying to encourage child labor, enterprising spirits amongst our children and every other thing in Nigeria, let us focus on security in the country. That is a major thing that will drive the economy, drive the politics and build nation building for a better country. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Yes. I'm coming to you, I can never forget. Because if I forget you, you won't play good music for us any longer. Please go ahead. Thank you, maybe, maybe because you thought I was a DJ, that's why. But anyway, this is the issue. For those of you of the older generation, you would know that when we were younger, in secondary school, we could actually do what we call holiday jobs. Now, somewhere along the line, Nigerian economy went down. Everything was bad. If you had a, Form four, that will be SS2 certificate, you'll get a job in a bank. 
there were opportunities. So we now ask ourselves the question, why has Nigeria gone downhill in respect to independence, in respect to what you want to do as a person, most especially for the young ones? I met a girl some time back and she said, she's in university and she said her parents are asking her for house rent. Then you ask yourself, where do her parents want to her to get the house rent? Basically, those are the girls on the streets right now. So the issue is the system. What is the system? The government. And if we do not change the government and vote rightly, not having uh, election day as a holiday, nothing will change in this country. Number two, it has also been said here, another problem we have in the country is religion. God will do it. Definitely will do it, but if you don't walk towards it, nothing's going to be done. So that is the, those are the uh, contributions I just want to make. Yes, we believe in God, but the most important thing, God is not coming down to do elections for us, change our leaders, fight for our rights, and make things right. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Please, how do I get that thought? <laughs> so I can look as funky as you. Ladies and gentlemen, we have 44 subscribers. Can we put our hands together for ourselves? But we can do better. Six more and then we'll be good. I'm going to call on Dr. Amma for his closing remarks, but I want to first of all appreciate every one of our panelists today. They have done a great job. Kevin Conroy, thank you for sharing your story with us. It's very, very phenomenal. Please put our hands together for founder Batura Biri. I have to drink beer before I leave here. I want to taste everything you have. All right. Um, Someone is saying you will have to pay for it. <laughs> thank you so much to Tobey G. Ayediron. Thank you so much for your presence. Can we put our hands together for him? Oluwa Tobi Ayodili, good to see you. And Chilean. Oh, Chilean shared the story that broke and made our hearts all together. Thank you so much. And to the lady who shared a story from behind, can we please celebrate her? Thank you for talking to us. Thank you for opening up. And um, have you gotten your passport now? <laughs> Don't worry, vote for me in 2023. <laughs> a big thank you to all of our panelists who also joined us online. Can we celebrate them? Ladies and gentlemen, you can have your seat. Thank you so much for coming today. Thank you for listening to Thinking Reimagined. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast and welcome your comments, insights and learnings as we strive to transform our global society. A change in mindset, engagement, collaboration, dialogue, awareness and education. Thinking Reimagined. Changing the mindset for a better global society. society.